Press the button, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome to uh, Snacks Packs, another episode um, of Scams and Cons. Hey, how long are your notes? Uh, they're like two and a half pages, two pages. Oh, jeez. Yeah, mine's Why? not that long. They're only like six pages. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to condense it down as much as I could. There's a lot that happens, and also it took me... I just realized I'm gonna have to do more notes this weekend because we got another episode Sunday that we got to record. So I, I know. Like, Fuck. Yeah. I was like, I don't. It, I know. For some reason, it's taken me a really big time to figure out what I want to cover because everything I look up, it's like Charles Ponzi, and it's I don't fucking care, Stop bro. Stop showing yeah. me Charles Ponzi. Yeah, I could do. There's been better comments than Charles Ponzi. Exactly. So I don't know what I. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, if you're not, there's really so many options. There are. There are a ton. Um, in other news, if you're not part of my, you know, daily life, uh, about a week ago, hold on, I gotta oh, clear yeah. my throat. I was wondering if you were going to talk about that. Um, about, a, yeah, about a week ago, uh, two of my cousins went missing along with two other gentlemen, um, Billy Mark, uh, what, I think the other dude's name were Alexander and, uh, let me look real quick. I don't know these dude, those other two personally, so like I don't remember their names. It's Alexander, Alex Ray, and Mikkel is the other guy, the other two guys' names. Um, they went missing Mike, about Mike. And, My, yeah, Michael Mike and is it? Mike? It's just Mike. Mike is what CNN says. Oh well, in the Alt picture, they have Michael. They have an L at the end. Oh, okay, we'll just say Mike. Um, anyways, uh, they went missing, and then about a week after that, I believe, something like that, their bodies were found dismembered in the Old Mulgee River, um, which is fucking crazy. Uh, I, uh, that, that prompted the, uh, single most Braxton text I've ever received in my entire life. <laughs> it was, I'm gonna read it, uh, let's see. I asked if he was gonna be able to record, and he was like, uh, I'll have to be a little late. I'm on my way to my nail appointment, and then afterwards I gotta call my mom and get updates because two of my cousins were found dismembered in a river, so that's not cash money. <laughs> 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 I was like, that is so much to process yeah, it's in a lot. such a short text really, message. Really dished it all out in that one paragraph. You're smashing the gender norms yeah. and <laughs> checking in on your mom yeah. and sharing horrifying gruesome news i got a busy life here uh, <laughs> what can i say there's a lot going on uh but i've yeah. been thinking about it all week dude i i'm just like how how could it be so they said it's they, so weird they have a person of interest this dude uh what i was reading about what that. is his name um alex evans please say what the fuck? They so apparently, a person of interest. Yeah, they he hasn't been named a suspect. He's just been named a person of interest, and that's it. So, um, Joe Kennedy. Uh, from what Joel Kennedy, dude's like sixty. Joe. From sixty-seven. Joe, he's sixty-seven, and from what I've heard, from what I was told, is that I think either Billy or Mark's phone pinged off of the scrapyard that he owns, 
and then yeah. went dead, was silent. Someone turned it off or, or, or it died, whatever. And so the last place it pinged was that scrapyard, and then a couple, like a day or so after the remains were found, he went on the run and was picked up in Florida for operating a stolen vehicle, and then they are bringing him back to Oklahoma for uh, questioning. And he's not a suspect. He's just a person of interest. That being said, this man is on a 10-year deferred sentence for shooting at six people at one of his salvage yards. Okay, so, I mean... <laughs> it's like... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, but, like, four able-bodied men to... Yeah, that's what, I think, you know, reading it and knowing that he's shot at... Other at, people? Uh, robbers. Yeah. You know... Because the, yeah, the the news story said, and I, I'm I'm still pissed off about it. Because the news says they talked to this guy, and the guy said, "quote unquote." They put "quote unquote" in a written fucking article, and then put quotation marks. And I was like, "You fucking yeah. savage! Dumb, Who yeah. is your editor? <laughs> I'm about to send a fucking letter." But uh, they said that there was an unrelated guy who knew him, and he was like, "They were planning to hit a big lick," and. So these four dudes are going to go hit the salvage yard. This guy shoots one of them. Yeah. I think. And then he's like, oh, Jesus. I'm on a 10-year deferred sentence. I shot another person. It's hard being a salvage yard owner. I guess so. And and then I think he was just like, well, I guess I just got to kill all of them and get rid of it. And maybe I could get away with it. I'm just like, but, I, you know. And then I'm going to leave to Florida. Yeah, regardless. Because regard, the, the news article did say they were on their way to commit a crime. Which, it's like. Bruh, suspected. Suspected. Well, suspected. To on their, be on their way to commit a crime. Like, one, you know, granted, whatever. It doesn't matter. They still got killed and that's shitty. They shouldn't be they killed. They shouldn't be killed yeah. for for suspect possibly committing a crime. Look, but, if you're a salvage yard owner, you need a, a pump-action shotgun full of rock salt. You yeah. don't need to be murdering a bunch of people, yeah, but you need to you make need. people decide that it's not worth being around. But, you know? uh, but it's like, how do you, four, all four of them, like you would have thought one of them would have got away. You know, maybe, I don't know, he hears him rattling around, he gets the drop on him and shoots one, and the other three are like, what? And then that's he's like, all right, I've I gone think. too far. Yeah, that's you know kind of what, I, what mean? I think is, but instead of calling Maybe he was police, like a Vietnam vet, and he's just like, yeah. went into fucking game mode, you know? Instead of but calling what if, police, what if, what if that guy has absolutely nothing to do with it? That would be fucking would, insane. Be I would, I, I would, I like, I don't. You're know. like, no, no fucking <laughs> way, bro. If there is a whole another person involved in this, like, I'm gonna lose my marbles. This will be. That like, would be crazy. It would be fucking bananas. I just don't see. So, like, yeah, the, he owned both salvage yards and has shot people before and stole a car and fled to Florida, but and he didn't have anything to do with anything it. Anything to do with <laughs> it? I, yeah, I would, like. What a suspicious I'll, man. Yeah, I'll eat a fucking jean jacket if this dude doesn't have anything to do with these murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does seem pretty likely, you know. That's uh, pretty fucking sad. Though. Yeah, it is. And yeah, regardless regardless of making you know jokes about it, comedy is how you cope with trauma. But we have... Uh, that's why we're so hilarious. Yeah, that's why we're fucking hilarious. Um, so it's we have set up a... GoFundMe for Billy and Mark's funeral expenses. Yeah, and let's I'll, put that in the podcast. We'll, and the Insta yeah, post. we'll post it on the Insta, and then if you go to any of my links on 
social media, like the link that's in my bio is that Beacons page. It'll have a link to their GoFundMe in it. So I'm going to post an actual video about everything um, tomorrow. I have it recorded and everything, so I'm going to post it to Instagram and TikTok or whatever, and then uh, we'll make an Instagram post about it. Uh, yeah. I hope it that gets a lot of money to the yeah, it, dude. It's two people's. It's funeral. two families. Yeah, two. Yeah, and and I don't know. The only problem is, is like this is just for Billy and Marks, and I don't know about the other two guys. I haven't seen anything. Well, about what if their they're families. pieces of shit? Who knows? I don't know. I haven't seen yeah, anything no, about the other know. dudes' families. I I think I noticed. I think I saw a post about one of them starting some kind of donation thing. If we can find it, I'll we'll say yeah. something about it. But like as far as I know, and I'm sure if they, because their goal, they're gonna me goes like 50 grand because they got to bury two fucking people uh yeah so i don't know i'm sure if they go over their goal they you know my family's pretty pretty generous even though we're all pretty poor um they would help out the other families but i don't know i haven't seen a whole lot of from either mike or alex ray's families about it then again you know my whole family's wrapped up in it so they're worried about billy and Mark's kids and shit like that, which is fucking crazy. It is really crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I sat, I was just seeing, I looked up uh, one of the people's names in Facebook and you can see, I was seeing if any of the people who posted about him were family sharing that link or, or family. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't see anything yet. Um, but all of the pictures of your cousins have been with their family. Yeah. I don't think, and I haven't seen any of that with the other ones. Yeah, me neither. Also, uh, some people posted a picture of your cousin with his daughter, and and it blurred it out, and then some don't blur her face out, and I just think that's lame. Just why we gotta post? Come on. Yeah, I I know. In the in the uh, there's uh, in there's a. BuzzFeed, I think what the initial police posted when they posted that picture of Billy, they blurred his daughter's face out just because she's a minor, obviously, and that's kind of like what they got to do as government officials. Um, So, yeah, I found the local news post about it, and they only linked... Your go the go families go find me. So I I still don't see anything with the other ones. That's weird. I wonder what I wonder if either of those dudes like had family that you know. There is possibility that they're they're estranged from their family and they don't you know. That's kind of a sad. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. Even even if they're shitty dudes, it's a sad. Yeah, it's a fucking sad thing. No one deserves to get murdered. Uh, Well, something I don't like. I don't really. I think when you die, you you disappear into the eternal blackness like sleep and that's it and funerals are the people who are alive yeah and but it's still something about an empty funeral really makes me yeah sad. it is sad i i, it, I like it could just mean i mean that could mean someone is so shitty no one cared that they died or they were just forgotten yeah they were just really, forgotten either or it's sad i mean have you ever seen that louis episode where they go to that like random dude's where Louis goes to this random dude's funeral, and the only other person there is Robin Williams. Really, it's it's like it's one of the most touching, funny, sad episodes of TV I've ever seen. I th- I think about it all the time. Like anytime I'm at a funeral, I think about that episode, and it, it's just like they both they both didn't like the guy. They bond over how much of a dick he was, and they're the <laughs> only people there. And they make a promise to each other at the end. They're like, "Hey, man, like." 
please make sure you come to mine so it's not an yeah, empty funeral. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I think there's something to that. I don't yeah. know. No, I don't know. I think uh, I have strong feelings. You know, obviously when I say uh, I I believe that most people don't deserve to be alone in death. Like that's a that's a scary fucking thing. Um, and that's I, horrible. We have we you know we obviously I think we have. Conf- I don't necessarily believe that. I think for your body it's an eternal sleep. You just kind of lights out and your body dumps DMT into your system and you just kind of vibe it out and leave. <laughs> um, yeah. As far as the other stuff, you know, I don't really know if I believe in a. A heaven or a hell i think uh I, be- I i believe in i i believe that we go somewhere but it's definitely not either of those places the uh, the only thing i have close to any belief like that is like i think we might get recycled yeah that's i don't kinda, think you remember it yeah anything nothing i think you just become a new person I th- I, exactly human consciousness is way too weird of a thing that yep. we can't seem to explain I, and i'm like maybe maybe it's just on another level I'm, we just keep getting reused i am Full, a full believer that we get recycled into something, you know, yeah, another person, another living being, something I don't know. But I wonder if that's if that is the truth. Do we get recycled on this planet, or do we go to another like universe and get recycled uh, there? You know, I still haven't seen proof that it's not just humans out there. So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I believe it's, there is something out there, but. You know, I mean, I want there to be something out there. I we still haven't seen it. It makes me it stresses me I out. Dude, I don't like, know. I just believe that I would feel so relieved if yeah. we found out. Like, yeah. oh, thank God. thank God, we're not the only ones. We're here. not. We're not wasting this obscene cosmic yeah. aberration of I, an opportunity that we have. I believe that the life in the universe is incredibly rare. That it is a rare phenomenon that a planet harbors some kind of you know cellular life but i also believe that there's so much out there there's got to be something out there but you know even if we might never discover one, it yeah i mean even if there was only one living like species yeah per galaxy that'd be crazy and still be a shitload yeah, a of ton, fucking living things a ton of but also things. that would be just enough to never see them if there's only one per it, galaxy yeah and especially being in the the state of technology that we're in where we have a lot of bitching technology but we're just not to the point where we can travel light years away and like since no. the universe is forever expanding and getting further and further apart it it you know the ability of for us to be able to travel that far is increasingly becoming more difficult like steadily did becoming you, more difficult did you see the james webb telescope took pictures of the pillars of creation oh did the, oh i did not oh it's amazing hold on it's it's just like you know, I posted that meme in the Insta. The yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Games where it's so real though. Like the new pictures of the pillars, I'm like, I don't just shocked. I don't know. It's so insane. Dude, that is fucking beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Like I'm I, like, how do I have jewelry? How can I wear some jewelry that reminds me? Yeah, of that? exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just cool. It's crazy that like, something like this is out there. Like. This is just kind it's of just there. some random gas. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, and it's really crazy seeing how many background stars you see versus the old. The one. old one and the old one's still gorgeous too. That shit is fucking banana. That one, Dude, yeah, but man, insane. that looks so it is fucking um it really i love that that thing's torch. going i know dude i love that it's going in like uh, stunting on the, yeah. the hubble <laughs> yeah. it's like i'm gonna get every good picture you took bitch dude, and i'm gonna make it <laughs> 10 times better and i think it's a really smart thing to do from 
the public awareness point of view. Like, you know, you're like, look, guys, we're advancing. We're yeah, doing we're something doing with some, our yeah. technology and our money. Yeah, I think that's awesome. We're getting somewhere. It reminds me, I don't know, this, everything remind like, this, like, space now just reminds me of Outer Wilds. And yeah. how, dude, how, what a beautiful game. What a, it's I, the you best. guys probably don't give a shit about us talking about games, but, like, if you are yeah. a gamer by any means, play Outer Wilds. It is such a, it's the, cl- it's the closest thing to making me feel okay with death. Yeah, it, playing dude, that dude, game. it like the I ending know, of it is so peaceful. The ending is peaceful like, and beautiful, and like it really like when it, all that music starts playing, dude, I started crying. Dude, I was like, wow. So, um, you haven't played the DLC, obviously. No, don't um, ruin it. I'm not gonna ruin it. I'm not. You know, this isn't really ruining what the DLC is. But if from what I saw, I didn't do it because attention span. But if you beat the game again the species you find in the DLC, they're in the ending. And he's like, one of them is like sitting against a tree and you talk to him and he's like, you know, my time has come and I've, I've done what I've need to do. Would you like me to leave now? And you can either be like, you've served your purpose to the universe or you can be like, no, come sit down with us and play music. Um, dude, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it is. That's it nice. Is quite beautiful. Quite beautiful. Come um, play music with us. Yeah. That's such a good um, game. I remember my first, it is the, the last thing about it. My first interaction with, uh, what was it? Uh, the ocean planet. Um, what is it called? I don't remember. Deep something. I can't, I think, I don't know. But anyways, going through its atmosphere and landing in a tornado infested water world, it gave me severe anxiety for the first. Yes. I, I immediately absolutely. like was like, I yeah. do not like this. You're like, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. I feel uh, like that's sort of something in our Midwest like breeds us to be like, a I think so too. Yeah. Fearing yeah. of storms. Living in landlocked states. Dude, out of here, like, when it rains it's just like there's like three thunders and then it rains very nicely and steadily just straight up and down not yeah. a hint of wind yeah and then it's just over yeah i'm like that was weird we have some, <laughs> yeah we have some great we've had some pretty bitchin storms but like an ocean storm nothing where there's no anything to block the elements uh hard pass bro yeah that's, that's why i see like much. i see like uh dudes out in like fishing on those yeah. big ass fishing boats, I'm like, no. It's honestly a bucket list for me. What? I want to be on it. I want to be on a big ship in a big storm. That'd be that's I, like a, a long dream of mine. Like I, I, I wanted to trip. One of my plans between jobs or midlife crisis, whatever, is to travel to Asia with, via cargo ship because you can actually like rent a room on cargo ships. Oh, really? It, yeah, and it takes like 20 days to get across the ocean. No shit. And and I want to do that so bad. I want to. I'm like, man, that's my chance. I want to be in a big fucking storm on that thing. I want to see it. I want to feel it. That uh, I, that it sounds equally as interesting and terrifying. Uh, yeah. I just, dude, I don't know. I can't imagine like shutting the lights off and there just be nothing, nothing around you. Like, I know. No one knows you're like. No one would know no. you're there, dude. Like it. it like terrifies not- me. It's like there's not even a guarantee that a satellite is looking at you mm-hmm. just because there's, you know what I mean? That's the most removed from humanity you can be. Which is in, uh, in the ocean. a terrifying thing with how, you know, how uh, intertwined you are with humanity in your day-to-day life. Which it's is true. Dude, it's fucking insane. Absolutely uh, insane. Do you remember who's going first this week? No, but I'll go first since mine's longer. Uh, or do you want to go first? You went first last time. Yeah, that's right. I did. Yeah, yeah you yeah, covered yeah. Natty W. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was a good it, it, dude. Was crazy. 
That guy, just I respect the hell out of him. Eighty years old and fucking skedaddled from the police and died twice. Yeah, they suck. They're so useless. (laughs) Um, see, okay, I'll go first. Don't worry, it it won't be crazy long. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember. Oh, I did tell you. I'm covering the famed. Frank Abagnale Jr., who was made famous by the 2002 Steven Spielberg classic starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Catch Me If You Can. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, long time ago. I remember I was looking up a story, and I was wait, like, what? What? No, Don't no, spoil no, 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 nothing. I'm not spoiling anything. I was looking up a story, and I was like, uh, excuse me, I was like, this would be a great one to cover. And then it mentioned a few things, and I was like, wait a minute, I think this is the Catch Me If You Can guy. Yeah, I yeah. forgot that you were covering it, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to cover that. And, and dude, we got to. We should cook one yeah, together on yeah, that. Yeah, because I, uh, I almost covered the same thing you did. That would have been really funny <laughs> if we like, prepared it completely. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what are you saying? Like, hold on a second. Um, like, and I was going to say, if you do know the scam of this one, don't give it away because I think I might have talked to you about it, but. Um, so, according to his book, movie, and Broadway play about his life, he was born in the Bronx in 1948 and uh, with to an Algerian-American mother and an Italian-American father. He spends his life being a kid, except he's running a scam for auto work, where he like works at a, a shop and uh, like tells the people, yeah, we fixed it, and then doesn't, you know, and takes their money. Naturally, you know? naturally. Um, his father is fine with this game. He's like, nice. you know, nice. He's a strapping entrepreneurial young man. Yeah. <laughs> He's raised himself up by his bootstraps. I don't see the problem. But his mom sends him to a boarding school, and they get divorced while he's gone. Damn. And he's sad. He's sad about it. So he runs away and starts forging checks because people think he's older than he is. Dude. So he pretends, he pretends to be a 26-year-old man at, like, 15, which I'm like, I don't know. Man. Old gotta... time, dude, old-timey gateway cons, forging checks. That's true. It is. I mean, it is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the gateway con, I like yeah, that. It's like, forging checks dude, and gateway con. Dude, what a golden time, too. <laughs> You're like, man, I could just write money on this piece of paper. That's so stupid. Good to I go, can't believe yeah. that worked forever. Um, in his youth, uh, he did notice the reverence that airline pilots were given, because back then, airline pilots were, like, cool to people, yeah. and, and, whereas now, we're, we consider them bus drivers and would spit on them if we had the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he also noticed all the hot stewardesses, so he decides he is going to do some research and get involved, and he forges himself a pilot's license, because forging is a gateway yeah you, you gotta can, do it you can do whatever you want back in the day if you can make a good looking forgery you you were good as gold you could do whatever you want as gold yeah um with uh yeah gets the pilot's lesson for it then he lies his way into a warehouse to steal a uniform nice and uh with that secured he pretends to be a deadhead pilot which is like pilots that take flights to get to an airport to fly to fly the plane you know what i mean so they usually sit up in the cabin and just sit there they don't do anything and so he's he's, like he's not a pilot that's really into the grateful dead no okay cool cool, cool. just make zero lsd as far as i can tell (laughs) Uh, so yeah he just that's what he does he just starts hitchhiking and uh deadheading for free all over the country pretending to be a pilot and uh, is able to afford living everywhere by committing f- check fraud everywhere he goes. Nice. 
Yeah. Uh, at one point, he gets picked up for questioning, but he's a good-looking white pilot, so they let him go with a pat on the back, and they apologize for wasting his time. Naturally. Uh, uh, this convinces him to start laying low, though, because he's like, that was a close yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, which so is smart. Put, yeah, Most people we hear when they have a Rare. close call, they're like, fuck it, well, I'm they're all in. They're fully torqued, yeah. so they're way more in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Natty W got bored because yeah. he wasn't getting arrested. Exactly. You know? uh, so uh, after deciding to lay low, he uh, puts a year's rent down in Riverbend, North Carolina to just chill out. Uh, he doesn't have a job. He's just like, I'm just going to fucking enjoy myself for hey, a little bit. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Uh, he mentioned on his rental application is kind of like a throwaway line that he was like a doctor. And that he uh, he ends up having to forge doctor's credentials to cover that lie. Naturally. Naturally, yeah. Um, that's back when every career was simply a piece of yeah. paper. That you could just <laughs> conjure. Uh, he's a nice, affable guy. Makes lots of friends in the area. And they recognize that he's never working and still kind of being, like, almost a kid because yeah. he is, effectively. And they're like, hey, man, you, you want a job? Like, you're a doctor. We we found a job for you. He, you're a white guy. I would love for you to fail upwards with me. Yeah, and I believe everything you tell me without Absolutely. looking into it at all. Without fail, yeah. And so they uh, refer him to work as the head of a hospital. They're like, we've got, you know, what friend it is. The head of a hospital. Not even. Like a, yeah, not like the whole hospital, but like of a shift. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, So he, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Yeah. Takes a job, finds himself a lady, and he hears that the FBI is hunting him down through the grapevine nice. and uh, decides he's going to leave, which decision was partially influenced by him narrowly avoiding killing a child because there, a real medical emergency came up and he's not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, man. I, that was a close, close one. one. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, so he decides to move on to something new. He seems to be learning from his mistakes seems you know he's like yeah. all right all right a little too much pressure on that, that is one. that is uh, a dangerous criminal someone who learns from their mistakes and true adjust their modus operandi to, oh yeah 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 that's true i mean most serial killers get caught because they just do the same they, thing for over 50 and over years. again yeah yeah um decides to do something a little easier something you can kind of coast in so he just pretends to be a harvard law graduate even better and of course, people tell him he should totally work this sweet lawyer job they know about. Nice, nice. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I will. You're right. I uh, mean, and this is your Stephen what? Ray Moore, or I'm not Stephen Ray Morris. So that's the uh, that's the <laughs> producer. Yeah, that's the producer of my favorite murder. Um, the uh, Stephen J. Russell. <laughs> he's oh, he. I mean, he won a court case, and he wasn't even a lawyer. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. But in this guy's case, he has to pass the bar. So he's like, all right, I got to pass this bar. I got to pass it. So he passes it. He studies for it and uh, uses his uh, common sense, he says, and he fucking passes the bar. I mean, does that make him a real lawyer, though, passing the bar exam? Uh, I mean, it makes him, as far as I understand, you're a lawyer. Qualified to pass. Yeah. If you pass uh, the yeah, where the state you're in. Yeah, if you pass the bar yeah. exam, you are a lawyer. So I mean, maybe. so he passed the bar. Yeah, you're like, wait, did you just become a lawyer yeah. as a joke? 
<laughs> that's what I do. That's that when I get rich and I don't have to, you know, work to survive. Um, I'm going to do the dumbest shit you can imagine. Like I'm going to go to medical school and get my doctorate. And so when people talk to me in public, they can say my name and I'll be like, Oh, sorry. No, it's doctor. And then they'll laugh because they think it's a joke. And then I'm going to pull out my wallet and unfold my PhD. <laughs> They're like, Jesus, you got that thing fucked up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's really funny. Uh, if I had a bunch of money, I would become like a full-fledged blacksmith. Like, this yeah. old-timey blacksmith. I'd make a suit of armor. That's that would be time. my full-time obsession. There you go. Uh, so, uh, one unfortunate aspect of his deceit is he didn't uh, look up or know anything about Harvard. He doesn't know anything about Harvard. He's a Harvard graduate, and he's a lawyer, a successful white man who's going to run into other yeah. Harvard graduates. You should have. You should have like, oh the... man, you know about old man Jenkins, and he's like, yeah. No, you should have went totally. with. You should have went with a lower brow. Like Harvard's great. You know, you want the best. Iowa but State, bro. You're something. not going to run into anyone from yeah, Iowa State. Something. I always, uh, I always like when someone asks me about something that I don't know about, and I don't want to go through the conversation of them explaining it to me <laughs> and i'm like i'm like <laughs> I yeah know exactly. i'm like yeah i know yeah. about that i'm always scared yeah. that they're telling me some bullshit they're like yeah you know about so and so and i'm always scared that i'm gonna be like yeah and they're gonna be like yeah that person doesn't exist you don't know what you're talking about and i'm like fuck that and the fact that that's never happened is proof that most people are just talking for themselves yes so, i guess yeah <laughs> if they're if they're gonna ask like, oh have you seen that because they want to talk about it i'm like just talk about it i don't i know but i don't want to say no yeah I totally gotta watch it yeah, all that yeah. I'm just like let's yeah. just come on come exactly. on just tell me about it exactly yeah um so he decides to leave his profession as a lawyer because it's getting a little too hot again a lot of sharp harvard grads there we go he's gonna go back to piloting jesus piloting yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, bro, you just fucking make up some bullshit about Harvard and like be, you're you're literally a lawyer. Like you, you have just go the learn about Harvard. Yeah, go learn about Harvard. Um, keeps going great though. Piloting's fine. Forging checks. Back to the old days. It's all normal. At one point though, investigators do run into him, but they don't know that it's him. So uh, in a, a quick move, they got the scene in the movie too. He flashes his wallet and pretends to be uh, a cop, and he leaves. And they're like, "Okay, cool, yeah." He was a white man. I'm sure he was a police officer. That's the way you do and it, a pilot man. and a doctor, throw probably an astronaut. Up, throw the wallet up, pull it back down. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so he does eventually get nabbed under some trumped up charges because they're kind of sus of him at this point, and they want to put him in jail while they figure something out. But he gets bailed out. Uh, before the FBI arrives by defrauding a bail bondsman with a yeah. check. Hell Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, <clears throat> so, Frank did say that he went back and paid that guy later. So oh, nice. Good, good, good. Yeah, he felt bad about that. Bail bondsmen are just trying to, they're just trying to make it work like <laughs> all of us. Um, shout out to my bail bondsman that got me out of jail because he showed up in like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I don't have any beef with them. I think yeah. Bond is generally a pretty horrible system. And yeah. It's classic bullshit. Yeah, but yeah, bail yeah. bondsmen serve a need. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and then the, the cop that fucking arrested me was the one who suggested that bail bondsman to me by grabbing a card at the kiosk. They have a kiosk in the jail of bail bondsmen when you're getting processed. 
That's and hilarious. He grabs the card of the bail bondsman and he says, I'm not allowed to give you legal advice and then shakes this card and it's like, <laughs> but you should pick a good bail bondsman. And I was like, well, it doesn't, it's only going to hurt me to not go with that guy, so I might as well. I bet that cop gets like a hundred dollar kickback every I was, time he shakes that fucking yeah, car. Yeah, I was like, "There's no way he doesn't get something from that." Like, it's, I would. Do it's that. a small. Town. I'd be a filthy cop. Dude, yeah, I'd be same. horrible. It, it's, a, it's a small town, and like he's got to get something back. And I'm like, yeah. Or and there's no there's no way this cop felt sympathy for me while I was telling no. him knock knock jokes on the way to the fucking jail in the passenger yeah. seat of his truck. Like, not a chance, bro. Uh, so. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he does pay him back because he's a nice guy and bail bondsmen are okay. So he eventually he's like, Alright, I gotta I gotta get out of here. Things are getting too hot. So he just forges a passport. There it is. Easy peasy. Done. And uh flies uh, all around the world. He does get arrested in France for some check forging and he gets put in an uh, awful prison. But he eventually gets transferred to Sweden because he also did some shit there. Nice. And Sweden prisons are cool. And he actually helped his own defense lawyer come up with a strategy to get him a reduced sentence in the much better Swedish prison. Bro, why would you? You you are literally a lawyer in a state. <laughs> just go be a lawyer. Like when someone asks about Harvard, just be like, I don't want to talk about it. Easy peasy. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't like college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, all gall- gallivanting around gets him in trouble everywhere. And when he hears that he mentally have to go, might have to go to Italy, which has a pretty bad prison. Yeah, uh, he gets the U.S. to extradite him. When the plane lands in the U.S., however, they leave him on the plane and by himself and allow him to unbolt the airplane toilet and escape. No way. He, he gets rearrested, but he's so cool and clean that pri- uh, prison officials think that he's an inspector, like a secret inspector for the prison, like a what? like a secret shopper. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh yeah, totally, I am, <laughs> I am." And so uh, he uses his belief to get a couple phone calls in, which he uses to get a hold of his girlfriend. She then calls in from a payphone, claiming that Frank's attention is needed for an urgent matter because he is an officer of the law. And she says that they can verify by calling a different number, which was just another payphone right next to her. No way, dude. That's and Frank way gets go. out with his girlfriend and speeds away and flees to Canada because he's running out of countries to live in. That, that's point. the smartest thing ever, dude. Like what they did that on Supernatural. There's like uh, cuz all of the five episodes I've ever watched, there was one where they are faking to be cops to, or the FBI to get close to this, you know, ghost happening that, that that happened. And they're like, "Yeah, you can call our director." And he hands him a card and the phone rings and it's like in a shed with this older guy and there's like 10 phones on the wall and they have like tape on them labeled like FBI, CIA, nice. blah, blah blah blah. And he and a card like a card above it so he picks up the phone and grabs the card and he's like yeah this is director so and so yeah that's the way to do it man genius yeah. that is genius i gotta get one of those Dude, right? set up yeah. just in case <laughs> um so oh, oh yeah that's one minute sorry. uh yeah so he flees to canada he's in canada but he tries to get a job but his record is horrific and he can't ever pass a background check so he can't be gainfully employed and he Damn. gets fired a lot he wants to be he wants to go clean he's trying Straight to go clean narrow, he's like yeah. too hot too much shit so 
He turns things around by offering his services for free on a lecture tour as a security consultant because of all of his experiences yeah. with the law. He's like, bro, I'm his, a criminal, baby. I can, I got you. Let me, let me see what's going on here. His experience in forging is helpful to banks, and eventually the firm becomes internationally recognized by the time he's only 32 years old. Damn. And he eventually p- publishes an autobiography that was turned into a Spielberg movie. And, you know, from then on, he was clean and free and uh, a respected traveled man. He fled to fled to Canada for to to not face criminal charges. And they were just like, "Okay, all right. So later. uh, What's the did you catch the, the scam? Maybe. Wait, what? The scam. What was the scam? What was the scam? I guess not. He didn't do any of that. Oh, really? <laughs> he made it all up. That's <laughs> he made it all up. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he started. He ended up from this lie starting a real business that is still kind of a lie. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, he published two. Which was based off of his autobiography, which was all a lie. He made this all up. So, so you want the real story? Yeah. What the fuck? I'm telling you the story how the movie tells it, how his autobiography tells okay. it, and the Broadway play. So okay. now I'm going to tell you the truth about his whole fucking life. <laughs> so, in 1982, an investigator called him and was hey, it was like, hey man, I couldn't verify like any of the shit you, you've said in your yeah. story. And he was like, oh, those parties involved were simply embarrassed. They would they would never admit to being fooled by such a genius. And uh, I changed the names. Those are the wrong names. So, you okay. know. So, uh, there have been tons of journalists for like 20 fucking years who have tried to verify his claims. And almost nothing has shown up. Nothing. He claimed to be wanted in 26 countries, worked for and escaped the FBI, cashed 17,000 bad checks for over $2 million, started a fake stewardess training company, and logged 2 million air miles in his fake pilot career. All fake. Not true at all. Really? Two million he's been is on, quite the fucking number. You should have dumbed that down a little bit. Like, he's been on fucking The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson talking about his exploits. All made up, lying the whole time. On a baller, he said he's only been arrested one single time in France. That's what I told you. That was yeah. the story. No, he's been arrested a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> California, Massachusetts, New York, L.A., Texas, France. That's real. Yeah. He did get arrested in France, but he also got arrested everywhere else. He claimed that he never targeted individuals or small family businesses. Did that all the time. What a bastard. He is a piece of shit. Yeah, what the fuck? Claimed he passed the bar and closed 33 cases. Did not pass the bar. Oh my god. He absolutely did not do that or work in any law at all and did not take the bar exam. And the Louisiana bar actually audited all of their tests for like years across to be like, no you didn't. No, you didn't. That's that didn't happen. Damn. They, they they went and looked at everybody who took the test and saw you know verified with all of those people. So yeah. he yeah he didn't do it. Even even if he had tried to fake it, they would have known that he did. Yeah. Um. 
He ended up on The Tonight Show in 1978 to regale his fanciful tales and wow the gullible crowds of the pre-internet era who simply believed the words out of any handsome white man's mouth. That's fair. And the uh, Louisiana Assistant Attorney General at the time, or Assistant to the Attorney General, I can't remember, gave a reporter a bunch of questions to ask Frank about the then Attorney General that Frank had claimed to work with. And the the journalist hit him with it, and he didn't fucking know anything about any of that stuff. Because even in his stories, in his fake stories, he clearly didn't prepare nearly as much as he should have for the roles that he said he was in. You're going to say you're a Harvard grad, you're not going to look up anything about Harvard? Yeah, anything about Harvard, that's true. That is very true. For someone who could pass the bar exam from light studying, you didn't... You didn't look up a damn thing about Harvard to, in case you were asked these questions. Yeah, that is all the sus. things that you were incredulous about. He lied about. You were Bro, right. You're like, what? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because he lied. Yeah, fucking, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, I, I was like, I, I thought there was no way you could just pass the bar exam. <laughs> no. People study their whole lives for the bar exam. I was like, this I have guy met came in and fucked off for the bar. Yeah, like, I had friends studying for the bar. You're not. You're no, with you your don't. common sense, bro. Get out. Yeah. Of yeah that's what i was like you're full of shit um so then his claim about working the midnight to eight shift surfing uh supervising the residents and nurses uh the hospital never had that kind of shift oh. and they didn't have an overnight pediatrician uh, so yeah why would they and this is where i think he's stupid again i'm like can't you lie about something that exists yeah like you know like have something that is plausibly deniable but everything he's he's just conjuring it up yeah it takes just a little bit of research to be like just call the hospital and be like hey you guys have an overnight pediatrician and they're like no we never have you can be like okay then i was not an overnight pediatrician Uh, yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) you guys have a midnight to eight shift no well Uh, i didn't work one dude before the internet everybody was like i i this whole story really fucking cemented to me how much our culture has changed in such a short period of time from just having the internet because you can just look something up and then it's not true but at the same time people are still so stupid and wrong all the time so but that's because the internet kind of took it the other direction just look it up bonkers that easy so uh, another author was actually able to confirm that he was in prison in New York during the time that he claimed to be a doctor. Really? Really. Um, but there is something that he did actually do. He impersonated a doctor in 1970 at the University of Arizona, pretending to be working for Pan America Airlines to recruit stewardesses. And he was a doctor so that he could do actual fucking examinations of women, oh. 12 women, as a fake doctor. Bro. He, has made it that, he has made it that openly, and the university has confirmed it. So you're, the one thing Horrible. you did do was be a fucking creep. Disgusting Yeah, a fucking, disgusting fucking person. God, dude, I was, I was like, dude, you're, little, you're yeah, garbage. You're fucking literal garbage. garbage. He forged a whopping total of 10... Pan Am checks for less than fifteen hundred dollars, not two and a half million and seventeen thousand checks. Jesus Christ, dude! Right? What? He's like such a loser. Yeah, what a fucking <laughs> nerd. Um, and then he claimed to have a photographic memory. Oh wait, so yeah, the date that he claimed to be working for the FBI, he claimed to be working for the FBI. He was arrested for stealing 
the petty thievery from a, a kid's camp. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're a mastermind. Yeah. If, and you didn't even get you didn't even get away with it, dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Claim to have a photographic memory, and then there's like a hundred instances of him saying, "I don't remember that. I don't have. I don't know. Who could know? You know, bullshit." Yeah. He has never escaped from any prison at any time. He's also claimed, I didn't even go into this because it wasn't a big thing in the stories, but he's claimed to make millions off of patents that he's consulted for with his cool security firm. Not true at all. Uh, No photographic memory, no patents, no bitches, yee-yee-ass haircut, all lies. What a fucking nerd. He was actually in prison for like most of the five years that he claimed to have done anything. Uh, The FBI stuff is kind of funny because he liked... Uh, he readily gave out this FBI agent's names to verify his stories. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always give out this one guy's name, Robert Frank, as a former Atlanta agent. And that's a real guy. And he's that's a like, real dude. Yeah. But he didn't work in Atlanta because, of course, fucking of course. And he uh, had never met Frank, obviously. Uh, he also claimed to have been the youngest ever on the FBI's most wanted list. That's in the movie, too. Had never actually even been on their radar. They don't Dude. care about a fucking prison bird loser yeah. who steals from kids. Yeah. Uh, also claims to get an assignment direct from the head of the FBI to infiltrate a U.S. missile base. What? I didn't put that part in before because then yeah. you know this whole yeah. thing was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, it's too obvious. Um, simultaneously claims to have gotten millions in federal contracts and also claims that his work for the FBI is pro bono. It's extra weird because in public he acts like he represents the FBI. Yeah, like, what he the says, fuck? Like, he'll like, say how many we have recruited the FBI out of this many applicants, which uh, both of those numbers are wrong. Yeah. Like, Dude, come Dude, on. you're just saying things That's now. from like 2017. He could have Googled yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, he... Go what? ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just had more. So, um, I mean, I so when did it all kind of like become public knowledge that he lied about everything? So kind of like it kind of hasn't. Like, there's been books about it. There's been little documentaries about it. There's been really cool podcasts like ours about it. But it's not like. The YouTube video of him speaking at Johnny Carson, like, all of the YouTube comments are how cool he is. Like, nobody is like, this guy's a liar. And so, like, it really hasn't made as much waves as him just lying about his life. So he's just kind of gotten away with it. He, in fact, recently was paid. Wait, I had that article open. He was paid by... The LABI, the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry, paid him a speaking fee of $20,000 and purchased purchased copies of his two books uh, and resold them to his membership. And uh, that was in 2020. Really? Guys, $20,000. Open fucking scam. Dude. 
Dude. I mean, you could say Although, he's one of the best con artists because... So, I picked him because it's a long con. Yeah. He did it. That's, he did it. That's still going on. That this is the whole con. He made all this shit up, and then people had just believed it for 20 years, and then no one ever remembered to look up to see if any of that was true. Dude, and that is fucking wild. Still making five digits on speaking fees for talking out of his ass holy it shit i want to meet him because of that yeah you know but also not really because he's kind of uh like he's just full of shit yeah, and disgusting yeah, yeah. creep and, and like all of his lies are really sad and lame and he you know he claims to have a photographic memory super high iq millions of pet i'm just like shut the fuck up dude uh, and so he does try to get around some of this by saying, oh, my biographer was telling a story. He told me it wasn't going to be a biography. It's just a story. Uh, but Frank had made a ton of those claims before the book came out. Like, he, he'd already spoken publicly about a bunch of that shit. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Like, but, like, long story, sh- I had, like, some of his real life. But his parents got divorced at 12. He moved out with his dad to Mount Vernon, New York. His his scams were shitty. Like his dad gave him a, a gas credit card and a truck, like because for the business. Yeah. And he ran up he ran up like a thirty four hundred dollar bill Jesus. in nineteen sixty four at fifteen years old. Like that's real. He yeah. did that to his dad. I'm like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, you're. He you're, scammed your father. Uh, wow. Your father. You're fucking. And then like a ton of money. Yeah. And uh, so then. He got, that got him sent to a Catholic reform school, and I was like, I don't even think you should hit your kids, but I'd beat the shit out of him <laughs> if he did that to me at that time. And they, so he did not much vibe with the Catholic reform school, if that is a yep, surprise say you to don't you. Say. Yeah, and uh, he, so he enlisted in the Navy at 16, and then he was discharged in three months and arrested for forging a check nice. shortly after. I am surprised that in all of his cool guy stuff, he never claimed to be in the military. Yeah, that is that's kind of usually a cool guy go to. Like you claim to be a, a veteran, so uh, yeah, exactly. That's insane. So in 1965, he was arrested by the FBI in Eureka, California, for stealing a Mustang from his father's neighbor, uh, and they were just kind of in the area. Like that, they were yeah. like, "Ooh, you know, we gotta get him." We, they were just like, yeah. Oh, "Yeah, I guess we'll pick him up." Uh, there's a picture of him with like the cops in front of his car. It's like a, I found the old newspaper article about it, and he, but he claims it was like a special agent, Richard Miller of the FBI, CI double agent. Brother. <laughs> that, that, that person doesn't exist. Jesus obviously. Christ! Of course they don't. After being uh, released back to his father at 17, Frank does decide to impersonate an airline pilot. He stole a uniform, and they forged a check and got arrested and spent three years in prison. Nice, See? nice. That's the way to do it. So, what a genius. Yeah. Uh, after two years in prison, he's released to his mother's custody on parole that he promptly breaks by stealing a car, and then he gets another year in prison. So after that prison sentence, he starts really dressing, disguises himself as a TSA pilot, and moves to Baton Rouge. He doesn't really do the flying thing. He just uses the pilot's thing in public to pretend to be a pilot yeah that tracks he um talked his way into a stewardess's home with a suave good looks and deception which is dicey and then befriended a local minister who figured out how full of shit this dude was and he, so he's like i'm gonna call the airline and <laughs> see what's up with this dude and they're like no we don't know that motherfucker so he calls the police 
And then uh, the police arrest him for a bunch of crimes that he committed to do what he was doing. Nice. And he gets convicted in June 1969 to 12 years of supervised probation, oh, which is God. so yeah. long. Jeez. I'm like, dude, can I just do like one year yeah. of prison? <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, fuck 12 that years of supervised of probation. probation. I, wait, no, probation means that he got the charge, right? It's not, yeah. Yeah. So he still has the charge. I would just if I remember correctly, yeah. yeah. If I remember correctly, it does. Twelve years is terrible. Twelve years is a lot. So he flees to Europe. He did actually flee to Europe, but he didn't pretend to be a pilot. He was paid and left. And uh, not a huge surprise, but he got arrested in France after stealing a car, and he did defraud a Swedish family with forged checks there that he is. never uh, paid them back. Oh, of course. And, that's the real story of Frank Abagnale. Then everything after where he started all the other shit based on the lies, that happened. What an asshole. He is an asshole. Yeah, what an asshole. Good that con, is. though. Yeah, good, yeah, the long con. It's I guess I respect the long con, but Jesus He's Christ. Been, I know. Good. He's like so scummy. Yeah, big scummy. That's insane. Yeah. Not a cool dude. Yeah, not a cool guy at all. But he pulled up. Dude, there's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie about Yeah, about this guy. yeah. About his lies. I mean, he won in the eyes of, like, the law, I guess, you know. He really... I mean, kind of. Yeah. The, even yeah. though he spent time in jail. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I invited Goose to my Terraria world. It's a oh, game yeah. where you can build the houses and stuff like that. God, and I love that game. It's great. And he was not impressed by the disorganization of my... <laughs> it's horrific. We're, I'm almost done with my playthrough. I'm trying to get every achievement so I can say that I'm done with Terraria. And nice, I, nice. I can, I can yeah. clear and purge my addiction. I just beat Plantera, so... Um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm beating... Uh, uh, I got True Knight's Edge and then started fucking... Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, so I'm covering the Great Diamond Hoax of 1872. Um, so... So uh, back in the old 1800s, uh, mining was serious shit. Uh, you had the Dangle Gold Rush of 1842, um, and even later than that, you had the Silver Rush. And at this point, everyone uh, at this point in time, everyone was like hell bent on ripping precious metals out of Mother Earth to make themselves filthy, stinking rich. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, I completely understand the appeal. It would be amazing to just go dig my dig, wealth. Yeah, out of the earth. exactly. Yeah, I agree. My I hands agree with my hands. Um, we all love digging a good hole. Um, oh yeah. So it's safe like, to we say have, we covered a whole podcast dude, episode about God, people love digging. I holes. love digging holes, man. Uh, <laughs> so it's safe to say that mining was totally end. Or I'm sorry, in not in in. So around 1870, silver was kind of the next big thing. Uh, there were lots of talk of like silver mines opening and people pulling that precious silver out of the ground. Around the same time, though, news of the diamond rush in South Africa made its way across the pond. Now, prior to this major, uh, prior to this, major diamond mines were in Golconda, India, and an 18th century site discovered by the Portuguese in Brazil. So because of this here, um, because of this, word word getting across the pond that uh, South Africa had just struck it big with their diamond mine, people uh, began scouring places like Arizona and New Mexico because the terrain <laughs> the terrain was said to resemble South Africa. <laughs> They're like, yeah, man, it's hot. It's the same it's thing. Dusty. Yeah, it's literally perfect. the same thing. 
Diamonds so, will be here. Yeah, totally sound logic if I do say so myself. So even though the train had, I guess, some kind of similarity, these two places were not really ideal places to hunt for diamonds. But nevertheless, a few diamonds had been found uh, while the gold rush boomed in California, and that was good enough for people to confirm to continue to hop on the diamond craze. Um, yeah, change their whole lives. Yeah, yeah for this. exactly. So around 1870, San Francisco had a population of around uh, 150,000. Uh, amongst this 150,000 people was a Kentucky-born man by the name of Philip Arnold. Arnold was a former hatter's apprentice and had a very little education. He was a veteran of the Mexican War and a Gold Rush 49er. He spent the better part. Dude, that's a hard, a name. hard life. He was a, a hatter, dude. Yeah, working with mercury and shit, and then was a veteran Can of the Mexican War. You imagine what his hands felt that, like? Yeah, that dude was. <laughs> that dude was had the he takes a log stone. and just... yeah, rubs the, rubs the bark off of it, dude. Yeah, Jesus uh, Christ. So he had spent the better part of two decades working in the mining business out in the west, and he wasn't by any means well off, but he did somewhat okay for himself, like he. He could you know he could provide for his family and stuff like that so at this time he's 40 and working as an assistant uh, bookkeeper for a diamond drill company uh, and is taking a keen interest in the diamond headed drill bits like a real big interest in these bad boys so in November of that same year, he gets his hands on a bag of uncut diamonds, probably taken from his employer, but he mixes them with garnets, rubies, and sapphires that he likely bought of Native Americans off a Native Americans in Arizona. And another thing our boy Arnold acquired around this time was a partner by the man, uh, by a man by the name of John Slack. Uh, he was an older cousin of his. Name. That is a good name. Yeah, that's a good Western yeah. man's <laughs> name. <laughs> um, so he was an older cousin of. Arnold's um, from Kentucky who had also fought in the war and had went looking for gold in 1849. So Arnold and Slack start plotting and scheming. Uh, how are we going to make ourselves a dickload of money? And then our boy Arnold comes up with the perfect plan. The pair approach George D. Roberts. Uh, now Roberts was a businessman and he made his money by putting the pedal to the metal and not asking any questions. So he was all about fast. I was say late 1800s. Yeah, yeah. And That's that, how yeah. everybody was doing exactly. it. Exactly. So they show up to this dude's San Francisco office, and they look like shit. They look like they've been getting their ass kicked by the elements, and they're holding a small leather pouch. They tell Roberts that they've what they've got in this pouch holds quite a bit of value, and they would have gone to the bank, but the hours were so late, they, they was closed. The two men kind of... Friggin' bank. Yeah, dude, closing too early. So the two men kind of dance around the subject of what's in the pouch, uh, that Arnold is holding until he lets the words rough diamonds slip. Um, just a slip oh, of the tongue. Shoot. Yeah. Whoopsies. Oh, uh, man. You heard about my rough diamonds? My rough uncut I dropped gym. my magnum diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they show Roberts the bag of uncut diamonds, but we're careful not to mention where they got it, only briefly mentioning Native American territory. Um, obviously, I I mean, the the... the Quoted words where they briefly mention Indian territory, but Native American, uh, same you know, obviously same thing. Yeah, so, I, yeah. The Did science, you watch Reservation Dogs? I haven't watched the new season yet. It, the new season? Oh, the oh, second yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the yeah, other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
There's a lot of this. Uh, some of the people there say Indian too, and uh, I've always been mixed up about that. I, I don't know after which one I'm supposed to use. After working my old job, like a lot of them, I say Native Americans just of you know out of respect, I guess. But you know, a lot of the the Native Amer the natives that I hung out with at work, all they always use Indian. But just to be safe, I say we'll say Native American. American, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? It it's is so crazy. Um, so. They show Roberts this bag of uncut diamonds, but again, we're careful not to mention where they got it, and only briefly mentioning Native American territory. And the sight of this bag of diamonds and the potential of finding diamonds, uh, finding a diamond mine, made Mr. Roberts rock hard, no pun intended. He diamond was fucking, hard. Yeah, diamond hard, fully torqued. So, um, so one of the things that kind of they Arnold's and Sla Arnold and Slack were one of the things they needed to happen was for kind of word to get around about this potential, you know, diamond mine. Um, did they, real quick, did they show them the pouch? Yeah, they showed they just, them. Yeah, okay, they showed okay. them the 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 rough cut, the uncut diamonds. So, okay. um, one of the things they needed was for this to kind of get spread around. Robert's inner circle of powerful and rich people. So what did Arnold do? He tells Roberts to keep it a secret, which Roberts, of course, promises to do. But as soon as the door closed behind Arnold and Slack, Roberts was already on the horn telling his wealthy friends what has just dropped into his lap. So immediately he calls the founder of the yeah. Bank of California, William C. Ralston, an absolute legendary investor who helped build the Transcontinental Railroad when the initial big four investors of the railroad came up short. Um, no way. He's not a huge piece of yeah, shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Zero percent chance. <laughs> yeah. So after, after him, Roberts hits up his homie, Asbury Harpending, who was another deep pocket investor who at the time it's like was... a D&D name. Yeah, no, it sounds... Asbury up. Harpending? That's amazing. <laughs> um, so at the time, Mr. Harpending was in London trying to float a stock for the Mountains of Silver venture that they had going on. Harpending was heard word of this and was like, holy shit, and was almost as rock hard as Roberts. Um, and he was an even shadier businessman, which was great for this venture. Uh, so Harpendinger, the quote I remember reading was like, hopped on a train, uh, hopped on back to the West as fast as boats and trains could carry me. Because um, uh, I think he wrote a book about this. So Arnold and Slack thickened the plot. They led Roberts to believe that they had made another visit to the diamond mine or the diamond field, and they returned with 60 pounds of uncut diamonds. That was estimated to be worth around 600,000 doll hairs, baby. That's a lot yeah. of diamonds. Yeah. So they're real? Yeah, they, they have these. Yeah. Just, yeah, you'll see. That's so, crazy. So Roberts is actually, and with this batch of diamonds it didn't really specify if he showed it to them or if he oh, was just okay. like oh i've got these diamonds you know yeah so um roberts is absolutely creaming his jeans over this uh the bigger bag of jewels sinks its hooks into robert's steeper um so roberts ralston and harpending have now got their buddies william lint and gin uh and joe i don't know is if it's uh um I don't know if his, if the gin is an abbreviation because there are some generals that get involved in this, um, but it's Gin George S. Dodge is the guy's name. Um, That's got to be a general. Yeah. 
Let me look up. Because they're, um, because they are, uh, they're, where was I? They, the, these two dudes were prominent mining entrepreneurs. Um, so that's always nice. Anyway, so right off the rip, George S. Dodge wants Arnold and Slack, uh, yeah. to, yeah, he was a Union but, Army okay, officer. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. So, right off the rip, uh, Dodge wants Arnold and Slack to fuck off so the big boys can do their thing, but these two prospectors weren't really, you know, they weren't feeling this quick payday. Arnold and Slack were like, eh, we're, you know, we're in this. Like, we're not going anywhere. But that's just kind of how they made it seem at first. So, eventually, uh-huh. Slack ends up asking for $100,000 for his share of the Diamond Land. 50000 now, and then 50000 after after the two made what they claim would be their third visit to the Diamond Field. So, in July of 1871, the boys decide it's time to make their third trip uh, to this Diamond Field, um, which is what they told all the bigwig investors. Instead, the boys fuck off to England, where they buy around $20,000 worth of rough diamonds and rubies. There it is. Yeah. It's so, like the gold. Yeah, thousands of stones and stones upon stones, baby. So a portion, a small portion, goes back to San Francisco to be further used as evidence of this diamond field. While majority was... Well, we'll get to that. So these boys return to San Fran, and they tell their investors, like, what's up, fucking boners? We got a, we went to the diamond field, and uh, we returned with a couple million worth of stone. Um, and they were like, oh, my God. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. They, they, uh, they tell their investors, we're going to go to the diamond field one more time, and I promise you we'll return with a couple million dollars worth of stone. So off they went back to the diamond field. So later, what year is this? this is 1871. So that is 50 grand is 1.1 million dollars. Hell yeah. I have I have yeah. some uh some translations Inversions. lower in the, in the story okay. but I forgot to do those. But so later Harpinger would meet their train as they're coming uh back from this diamond field. They would he would meet their train in Lathrop, California saying, "Quote Excuse me. Both were travel stained and weather beaten, and had a great general and had the general appearance of having gone through much hardship and prevent. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me redo this. Uh, Lather uh, Harpending would say both tra- were travel stained and weather beaten, and had gone and had been <laughs> had the general appearance of having gone through much hardship and privation. Uh, <laughs> um, and then he goes on to say, Slack was asleep, but Arnold sat grimly erect like a vigilant old soldier with a rifle by his side, uh, also a bulky-looking buckskin package. Those uh, boomers will fall for dude, any yeah. lark, <laughs> So the two claimed they had happened on a spot yielding $2 million worth of diamonds, and they had split the find into two packages, but crossing a river in a raft that they had built, one pack was lost, and all they were left were with this one package. No. Yeah, not the other diamond diamonds. package, I think I would risk a pretty yeah. rocky river for yeah. a bag a full of diamonds. worth of diamonds, yeah. <laughs> so the boys hand the package off. Harpenter hands them a receipt and fucks off to San Francisco. When he gets home, everyone is waiting in his house. He said, quote, we did not we did not waste time with ceremonies. A sheet was spread on my billiard table. I cut the elaborate fastenings of the sack, taking hold of the lower corners, then I dumped the contents. It seemed like a dazzling many color cataract of light. Um so everybody in this area this this meeting is enthralled. Um 
really fucking rock hard about it. They were still. I like how we can't talk. I think as long as we've done this podcast, we can't talk about unimaginable wealth without mentioning penises. Yeah, and rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just like that's the only thing it's about. Yeah, you rock have hard, to be sexually dude. attracted yeah. to money you to have be that fully much fully torqued. Yeah, exactly. That, that is. That I have always wanted a bag of gems. That would be tight. I would you know, love a bag. Ever of since Spyro as a kid, I was like, I just want some gems. You some know, rubies and sapphires, and have like them a, in my hand. Have a little like glass like monocle thing, and just like look at it in the light and be yes. like, that's oh, a gem. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Yes, the old gem, the gem, the hell out of that one. Um. So as enthralled as Ralston and the others were, they were still in fact wealthy businessmen uh, who weren't, I guess, completely fools. They took like 10% of the latest bag of gems to jeweler, Jesus, jeweler Charles Lewis Tiffany in, in, in New York City for appraisal. If that the sounds familiar, Tiffany? it's because, wow. yeah, Tiffany and Co. So they hired, uh, and they also hire a mining engineer. And one of the things they did when they took this bag, this percentage of the diamonds to Mr. Tiffany, they also used a hefty amount of it and placed it in the jewel shop's window so people would see it and would fucking start yanking their hogs about diamonds and further the (laughs) diamond craze, dude. (laughs) Um, So in New York City around October 1871, a meeting happens with some corporate lawyers. Uh, The Fat Cats had hired. uh, So this meeting between Fat Cat corporate lawyers... Uh, a lot of big dicks swinging in this meeting, let me tell you. In this meeting, we have Charles Tiffany. Uh, we have two Civil War generals, George B. McKellen, who had commanded the Union Army and was and also ran against Lincoln for president. Fucking loser. Uh, loser. Yeah, fucking boss, dude. So, and Benjamin F. Butler, nicknamed Beast, for his treatment of civilians in New Orleans during the war. Jesus. Uh, yeah. What a dude. This room is full of just villainy. (laughs) There isn't a man in that room who hasn't killed somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So um, McKellen was recruited in hopes that his name might bring more investors, and Butler, who was a U.S. representative, was suggested in case the diamond field was revealed to be on federal land. So, during the meeting, old Tiffany made quite the spectacle, holding the stones up and looking at every aspect, like kind of just we talked about, looking at every aspect of them before saying, Gentlemen, these are beyond question precious stones of enormous value. So, um, yeah, I mean, they were real diamonds. Yeah. Um, So, old Tiff, we're cool like that, so I can call him Tiff, takes the stones back to his shop and has his lapidary inspect further. And a lapidary is someone who cuts and inspects stones. Um, And reports that the stones, only a fraction of what Arnold and Slack had brought back, uh, had brought them in, were worth $150,000. Harpender, or sorry, Harpending, put his little education to use and did some multiplication and concluded that Arnold's entire sack must be worth $1.5 million. Shoo-wee. Um, I don't know if I... I didn't translate those numbers over. What's $1.5 million in 1871? So that was... Yeah, let me check. I mean, that's a lot. I don't... Because I, it didn't say if that number was the $1871... Or if it was, oh. yeah. So I don't know if they translated that. Shout that out to. Be, I use the West Egg inflation calculator because it's the one that goes back the furthest, but they also don't put commas oh, really? in their thing. 
33 million dollars 33 million dollars um now yeah that's a lot of money that is a lot like i said i don't know if uh, i don't know if they're uh if that's if translated it was, numbers yeah because it was unconverted it'd only be like 60 grand yeah so when Arnold heard of the appraisal, he couldn't believe it. He was fucking floored, to say the least. His little con now had the attention and the approval of the country's most famous jeweler. I mean, after the con was revealed, uh, so after this all, this whole hoax was blown up, uh, fucking Tiffany and his lapidary were like, well, we don't have a lot of experience in uncut stones, so <laughs> like, what the fuck? That was well, Shut up, nerd. What, what do you have experience yeah, in, you're bitch? literally a jeweler. So <laughs> Arnold yanks another 100000 from his investors, fucks off to London, and secures another uh, 8000 it secures another 8,000 of uncut gems from this man, Leopold Keller, who he got the previous ones from. Um, so winter comes and goes, and June of 1872 rolls around, and Arnold and Slack meet Henry Jannon. Uh, he is the mining engineer that had been selected by the mining entrepreneurs. Dodge, uh, so he meets Jannon, Dodge, Harpendinger, and an Englishman who was one of Harpendinger's cronies who went by the name Alfred Rubery. They met in St. Louis, where they boarded a Union Pacific train to Rollins. Shout out to Union Pacific. Um, so they, they board this train to Rollins, Wyoming. It was finally time for the boys to go to the mining field. The old spot, Arnie boy. I've been in for this moment. Yeah, so the I old... Like- yeah, I know. The I know, yeah. <laughs> so the old spot, Arnie boy picked out uh, to put the, my, the, the diamond field was closer to Black Buttes, Wyoming, uh, station, but the old boy wanted to keep the exact location a secret, so they exit this train in Rollins, and then he takes these dudes on a four-day horseback journey, stopping frequently to pretend that he is lost, and then climbing tall hills to get his bearings, quote, you know, bearings. So by the end of their horseback journey, Harpending uh, had said, quote, the party had become cross and quarrelsome, and finally the men reached and settled... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, finally the men reached the uh, air quotes salted uh mesa by 4 p.m. June 4th, 1872. So the men began looking for diamonds. Uh, Arnold was quite suggestive on where the men should possibly look, kind of like how your mom and dad would do on an Easter egg hunt when you were a kid. Like, oh, what if we looked over here for yeah, so, yeah, yeah, side eye emoji. Um, Harpinger wrote quote. Uh, after a few minutes, Rubery gave a yell. He held up something glittering in his hand. For more than an hour, diamonds were being found in profusion, together with occasional rubies, emeralds, and sapphires. Why, if you pearls... Sitting on the dirt. Yeah. Why, if you pearls weren't thrown in for good luck, I have never yet been able to tell. Probably an oversight. So within, That's pretty funny. Yeah. So within <laughs> two days... Uh, within two days, even the fucking mining engineer who, on top of his $2,500 fee, had been given the right to purchase 1,000 shares of stock in the new venture at $10 in share, was, as Harpending recalled, quote, wildly enthusiastic. So they even got the mining engineer to be like, this is it. it like, this is the spot, bro. This is good shit. He's like, I have never once seen so many diamonds just laying yeah. on the ground. <laughs> so basically, Arnold and Dude. Slack would take the majority of the diamonds they purchased 
and they would quote salt these fields with them. Uh, they really went the distance, to be honest. This they, is amazing. They 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 deserve this con to work work. I mean, out this for is them. like a full time job. Yeah, for can them. you imagine just chucking a hundred and fifty thousand worth of diamonds into a field? Just <laughs> this is for the steel. Yeah. <laughs> just it's gonna be worth more later. Yeah. So that's um, pretty crazy, dude. That, that is honestly like Jedi level. Yeah, of it's dedication fucking bananas. So, um, the mining engineer gets busy staking out 3,000 acres, even though the area that was actually salted with diamonds amounted to barely even an anchor. Janin reported, yeah, yeah, they're not going to go that far. So, (laughs) Janin reported that the proposed 100,000 shares of stock were easily worth $40 each, and he would soon sell his shares at that price, netting around 30,000 above his, uh, above his fee. And becoming literally the only person who wasn't in on it to profit from the scam. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> so the rest of the party finishes up at the Mesa. They leave Slack and Rubery behind to guard the site from any wayward travelers who might stumble upon their precious investment. Uh, but the two men couldn't fucking stand each other, and within days, both of them fucked off, leaving the site unguarded. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like uh, millions of dollars of wealth. I couldn't it, yeah. give a shit. I hate this guy. I hate and Also, him. I'm like, it's a 3,000 acre. First of all, two dudes can't cover 3,000 no, acres. No, absolutely not. No chance. No way. Second of all, they could just be really far yeah, apart yeah. from each other. <laughs> Why are you hanging out? Well, I mean, it's cause, probably because Slack knows, like, there's no reason for me to stay here. Like, so... So they end up leaving. They're like, fuck you, I'm out. I don't like being around you. Um, at this point, Slack is never heard from again. At, he, he, he is gone. He is like, I'm good. We did it. We're out of here. So uh, Arnold collects another. <laughs> he just walks straight to Canada. Yeah, yeah he's like, over. I'm good, dude. New life started. Yeah. Full of diamonds. <laughs> so Arnold collects another 150000 that had been promised him after, the, after Janin had inspected the land. And then quickly sold three hundred thousand more in stock to Harpending, making his total stake about five hundred and fifty thousand, which would be about twelve million in today's money. God damn, that's a lot of money. That is a lot that of is. money. Now he had more shares that were promised to him, but he was smart and didn't want to push his luck that far. So uh, after he gets the his twelve million, basically, he grabs his family, moves back to Kentucky from San Fran in the spring of 1872, and by the time the ruse had been uncovered, he was fucking gone, son. Um, it, like, no no one knew where he was, even though he was just in fucking Kentucky. But, so... <laughs> so He's disappeared. Yeah. Who knows where he could have yeah. gone to? Um, you tell me you don't know where this man who was born in Kentucky went. Maybe look, <laughs> maybe look a little further. Did further. anybody go check yeah. Kentucky? <laughs> So what? Like God, no. So what led to this whole thing unraveling was a was a chance, like just a stroke of dumb luck. So, Uh, yeah, I was trying to. I was like, they've covered their bases pretty decent, pretty well, and like they, you know, they've got the supply of diamonds. They've got the people in the field excited about it. The engineer isn't even in on it, and he's stoked about it. Huge credibility to this. I'm like, man, I wonder what would have fucked this up. What, it what, ace. What unraveled the whole situation was literally a single encounter with somebody that it had to be some kind of divine intervention. I don't know. 
because if this hadn't happened, they could have went and mined that entire field, and it would take them forever to realize there's forever. No, yeah, there's no diamonds here. And finding and and, and I want to go as far as to say that like they wouldn't find all the diamonds that were on the ground. So as they're mining, they would find those diamonds again and be like, oh, here yeah. we go, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Plus, maybe there's like a couple diamonds yeah. around there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um. There is an encounter on an Oakland-bound train between Janin and members of a government survey team led by Clarence King. Uh, King was a fucking beast of a geologist. I'm not going to go super into his background, but he was a big fucking deal. He mapped, as far as I remember reading, he mapped a lot of, like, unmapped places of the u.s and stuff like that so lit so any, that yeah so right i i just want to discover something dead field yeah yeah something that's never <laughs> been discovered so incredible anyways janin shows them all these diamonds they claim to have found and janin basically tells this guy that he basically tells he doesn't tell him exactly the area they found it found it in but um King can kind of deduct where it's at. So we'll get into that. So uh, he tells, Janin tells him of this major discovery of diamonds in this area. And King is like, this is not good news to me. This is not great at all. Um, because a crew discovery, making this major discovery of diamonds, and it wasn't by anyone that wasn't King's men, would call into question the thoroughness of their work and give Congress ammo to defund their program. So they're like, this, uh, I don't, I don't like this at all. They mention it to the single most personally yeah, offended person exactly. in the, America. You could have mentioned it to anybody else and been fine. Like, oh, wow. You've met but this, he's like, yeah, you met what this one fuck? guy who could who could unravel your whole situation. So King and his men decide they need to take a gander at this little diamond field. And on October 21st of 1872, a, top- a topographer on King's team gets on a train from Oakland and heads to Wyoming where King would, follow- King would follow him the next day there. A week and a half later, they've gathered supplies and they've set off on a bitterly cold... What was that? I kind of sounds like... I don't know. Something fell in my the back. I'll find out later. Cat. Um, yeah. so they gather supplies and they set off on a bitterly cold 150 mile journey to the vicinity of Janice's site. Uh, so even though Janin didn't tell them exactly where it was, they deducted from their own field work and other clues just where this mysterious diamond field was. After five days of travel, they set up camp and they begin looking around before long and before long, you know, they, oh, hold on. Sorry. I've lost my place. Uh, they set up camp and began looking around, and before long, they saw a claim notice that uh, Janin had posted on the land. Uh-huh. So they start finding diamonds and gems and are fucking super That's st- lit. Dude, they're super stoked about it. They're like, hell <laughs> yeah. So they go We're to- like, damn, these guys weren't telling me yeah, you weren't lying, and lying. we get free diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to bed, and they are fucking- fully torqued about these unfathomable oh, riches. And yeah. Ear to ear. Yeah. Just creaming their jeans. Dude. So, um, so they go to bed. They're super stoked. Next day, same deal. They start stone hunting. Only King begins to notice that whenever he found a diamond, there was also about a dozen rubies next to it. It was too peculiar and neat for it to happen naturally. They also realized that they were finding stones on that were inside disturbed ground, and rubies found in so, for instance, rubies found in ant hills uh, were not only surrounded by footprints, but 
uh, quote, beside the top, uh, beside the top hole by which the ants made their exit, there was visible and inside another small break in the crust. So they kind of start noticing that they're only finding diamonds and stones near, you know, disturbed ground that it looks like somebody yeah. dug through. Oh, uh, how about that? And they noticed that other ant hills that did not have footprints near them were and were undisturbed also didn't have rubies or diamonds near them. So these men run some tests. They start digging into the ground, and after digging well below the surface, they didn't find any diamonds, which, you know, how crazy is that? Yeah. So a few more things happened, but I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. They did a couple more tests. Um, so King arrives back in San Francisco on November 10th and goes to Janet's hotel and basically tells him of his, his discovery. He's like, your diamond field's a fucking fraud, my guy. Uh, the next morning, King and Janin meet up with their uh, good old swindled directors at Ralston's office at the Bank of California. King tells them the same thing. Reading from a letter he had written for publication uh, and was basically like, y'all got got. You got got. It's what it is. You're fucked. Um, so apparently one of the directors tells King like, hey, can you keep keep quiet about this if you keep quiet about this sir like we're gonna get rich still like we still I was, dude i was thinking i was like man he could get cut in so easy yeah, yeah exactly like, hey man i know i know you're full of shit and they're like okay you want fifty thousand dollars and he's like absolutely i do let's break the scam later because yeah. you can't sully my reputation because it's all a man has in the 1870s exactly. so this guy tells him um hey buddy keep quiet about this a little longer and we can all get rich including you um they but he's a virtuous christian booty two shoes isn't he yeah so um <laughs> the guy tells him that and king responds with like he tells him my friend there is not enough money in the bank of california to keep me quiet about this um so he's not about it so they pers- they persuade they end up actually persuading king to lead another party back to the spot this time uh this time it has this party includes janin and other company representatives uh the general manager of the company reports back to directors that he had seen rubies scattered on bare rocks saying it would have been impossible for nature to have deposited them as for a person standing in san francisco to toss a marble in the air and have it fall on top of bunker hill Um, the bunker hill monument so finally the directors voted to publish king's letter and dissolve the company and it was a goddamn sensation obviously because arnold and slack had gotten the fuck out of dodge already reporters couldn't find them and talk to them so they focused on the company's gullibleness uh if that's a word and made fun of quote how millionaires were victimized (laughs) 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 like oh you got scam boo hoo (laughs) did someone get addicted to fast money (laughs) (laughs) that's so fucking funny so janin the mining engineer was ripped to pieces in the media for being so easily duped um harpendine came under suspicion as an accomplice in the fraud because it was reported that he was in london at the time uh, the Ar- that Arnold and Slack were also in the area buying diamonds. Um, General Butler was discovered to have received thousands shares of uh, thousands in shares of stock for spearheading a mining act through Congress that enabled the company to buy the federal land that held the bogus diamond field. Um, and you know, see, like ongoing government corruption is a tale as old as time, baby. 
Um, oh, well, yeah. yeah. William Lint claimed in a lawsuit that he lost some um, 350,000, which equates to around 8.5 million. And Ralston lost 250,000, which is around 6 million today's money. Uh, John Slack was assumed wow. to have either fled the country or died soon after leaving the diamond fields. Um, after him and Rubery fucking didn't like each other and left. However, in 1967, Bruce A. Woodard, an accountant who had become obsessed with the hoax, wrote in his book, Diamond and the Salt, that Slack had taken a job building caskets in St. Louis and then apparently moved to White Oaks, New Mexico, where he became an undertaker living alone until his death at the age of 76 in 1896, apparently leaving behind an estate of $1,600, which is about $56,000. Mm, that's Appa- not a ton. Yeah, not a ton. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. So apparently, in July of eighteen seventy two, um, Arnold bought a two story brick house in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and moved his family into it. Where he also acquired around five hundred acres of land nearby. All of the property is in his wife's name. A grand jury from San Francisco indicts Arnold and Slack for fraud, but the contents of the indictment were never released. Speculation says that they were squashed by investors to avoid any more bad press. Um, Arnold gets obviously notified that he's being indicted, and he tells the Louisville paper that, quote, I have employed counsel myself, a good Henry rifle, uh, which is a fucking super baller thing to say. Uh, yeah, yeah it's like it is. basically saying, come get me. You won't fucking you won't live. You won't live through it. Um, so he would eventually settle out of court with William Lent for around 150000 Um In 1873, Arnold became a banker himself, putting an unknown amount of money uh, in Elizabethtown Bank. In 1878, a quarrel with another banker in town led to a shootout that injured three bystanders. Arnold took a shotgun round straight to the shoulder. He was recovering when six months later uh, he got the pneumonia and died at age 49. A touch of consumption. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he did leave his family a, a very comfortable sum of money, but several hundred thousands of, do- of dollars have still not been accounted for. Uh, and that is the Great Diamond Hoax of 1872. Shout out to the Smithsonian Mag for the incredible article written by Robert Wilson. Dude, they have some good ones. They yeah, have some great ones. Yeah, they're yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Crazy. It's so it, it's it really has a lot of the same elements as the gold accumulator. Yeah, yeah. Where you, where you get you get one accomplice, you go to one mark, and you, you set them up with the thing. They give you the initial funds. Yeah, you take it, go buy more proof, mm-hmm. gold, diamonds, yeah. and you just keep. That's exactly it's, it, brilliant. Yeah. And his was ace like yeah. he almost got away with this if, whole thing if if they had not ran into that king they would have built the train, a mine they, they would have built an entire mine and would have mined for god knows how long looking and for diamonds clean legit money yeah he you know no scam they would have given him his cash and they would have been like dang how'd you find all the surface diamonds yeah. <laughs> like exactly <laughs> it was idiot. It literally if like i said if there was not that intervention of king being on the 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 right train at the right time in the right seat next to the right person they would have this you know who knows if they would have ever like this con would be would have been found out that Arnold yeah. and Slack were in, like, you know, what they did. Did did the diamonds that Tiffany looked at, they were real diamonds, right? They were, so all the diamonds that, that um, 
I mean, all the diamonds were real. All the diamonds on Arnold and Slack brought them were real diamonds, but they weren't cut. They weren't cut in a way. They were rough diamonds out of the ground, which so, is that excerpt about Tiffany and his lapidary being like, we don't have a lot of you know experience in uncut diamonds. Is, so was he overestimating the wealth of it then because he doesn't because, know anything about exactly, diamonds? Exactly, because he does not know – he did not have experience in uncut diamonds. Why? Yeah. Why? Doesn't he have any – where does this That's man – That's what I'm saying. You're one of the most famous jewelers. You're the most famous jeweler in the country, and you don't have a lot of experience with uncut stones. That makes no sense. What's even your business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you get the stones cut somewhere else, and then that's the ones you deal with, the ones that are already cut? Yeah, I was like, and then you're not cool. You're just a fucking reseller. Like, whatever. You're cutting all these diamonds. Exactly. That's so. That part really tripped me up. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, same. I was like, there's. Are you kidding me? Like. This is your job. That's like that's like a fireman being like, I don't have a lot of experience fighting fire. I don't really do it when the building's on yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, come, after, yeah, like, I come afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah. That's a, a hot story. scam. It is. So, so recap of the people who were doing the scam. One guy had so, to litigate his way out of it. Arnold and Slack were the the swindlers. They yeah. came up with the whole thing. Slack has never, nobody ever knew Slack where he just, went. He dude, fucked off. So Slack lived, he got away with it. Yeah, this. he got away with it. And you know he had a pocket, like a bunch oh, of extra yeah, diamonds. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so yeah. Arnold, he moved his family to Kentucky, and that's where he lived his entire life after the scam. Uh, they indicted Arnold because he's like he's the only one they could find, and he Arnold was basically like, "If you want me to come face his indictment, you're gonna have to come get me, but I'm gonna kill you in the process." So to avoid bad press, the directors basically were like, "Let's settle out of court," and they settled for around one hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of court, and that is not even like you know compared to the money that Arnold got out of this whole thing, that's yeah. Chump I, I'm change, just baby. baffled. Like he basically just got, you know, he got away attacked. with it. Yeah. He, he got attacked. Yeah. yeah. He got away with it. It's yeah. And you, and the, you said that California banker was the one who ended up poor ish when he died. Right. Um, from what I, so it didn't really go into a whole lot of, of, um, details about like Ralston as the owner of Bank of California. I, I'm I'm sure they were still quite rich. The one that didn't have a lot of money when they apparently didn't have a lot of money when they died was Slack. It said he only left a hundred uh, fifteen hundred dollar estate at his death. So I don't oh, know. So it, we did find where he went. After yeah, he yeah. Died. When okay. when he it, but that was I mean went and fucking party. That that was brother. written by a guy who was really obsessed with the case and said that Slack. From what I remember, Slack he when he when he fucked off, he went and started making caskets in St. Louis, and then moved somewhere else to become an undertaker. And when he died, he left fifteen hundred dollars. And I don't, he was just he was just like uh, finally I have the freedom to pursue my yeah, hobby, <laughs> making caskets, being a mortician. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, so shit. that was by an author who was obsessed with this case. So it, that could be not true. Um, it's it's. I believe it's it. Plausible. I, I believe it too. I don't. You know. I think it's the person who wrote this the book. is cool because I hadn't really heard about. Yeah, me neither. This one. Yeah. I mean, I think diamond industry wants to avoid talks of scams. Yeah. yeah. Because the diamond industry is a scam. Yeah. You know, and they don't want to fall for it. Also, when I look at, I was just looking because at pictures of uncut diamonds. 
I would never know I found no. one. They look <laughs> like they look like rocks. Forts, yeah, yeah. At best, like this this one on this Reuters article. I, I was like, I wouldn't even pick that thing up. No, I would. Yeah. I would just walk right fucking past. It, Let me show you. It looks like a glass, uh, like a piece of glass or something like that. A piece of dirty glass. That one literally just looks like. Yeah, it does not look like a diamond at all. Glass slag. Yeah. So, but I, I like that they had rubies in the field too. I, like, I, I was always wondering about that too, where I was like, yeah, I was like, why wouldn't you just go with diamonds? I mean, are, just diamonds. are rubies and sapphires usually found where diamonds are? I don't know. I mean, you like most, the way most mine works is you find the, the main thing, yeah. but you're going to pull up tons of other shit yeah, I guess all the time. Fair. So yeah, I like, I feel like they but just I mean, wanted to sweeten the deal as much as they I could. I was like, so that's a little much. Rubies and <laughs> sapphires everywhere. Like you found this mine that contains like every major precious stone. Yeah. In just, existence. Gold, just gold nuggets. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I like that little line you had about like why didn't they throw some pearls in there? Yeah, so that <laughs> was uh, uh, so after everything came out, Harpending was the one that said that he was he had done an interview about the scam and he said you know why they didn't throw in a couple pearls for good luck Make is it look beyond like a me. Dragon's yeah. lair, yeah, bro. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They exactly. really sold it. Yeah, dude. Man, was, I'm telling you, the 1800s best time to best talk about time, scams, dude. Fucking good scams. Everybody had a scam under their belt. At least millionaires dude. just with no all the resources in the world to simply believe. Yeah, you. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that's all you gotta do. And they believe that you're too stupid to pull anything off. So fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the mining of entrepreneurs in the beginning wanted to give Arnold and Slack a. a a sum of money to be like, fuck you, get out of here, you're done with this. And they were like, nope, we're staying. And it worked. That's genius. Mm. I like that one a lot. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, So we will be back with another episode next week, right? Yep. Uh, We're going to push this one tomorrow morning, yeah. right? Yeah, I'll upload it yeah, for tomorrow morning. Good. Um, but, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. I will keep you updated on the guy who possibly murdered my cousins. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Be safe. Be kind to others. Love you so much. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, bye-bye.